Okay. Uh, apologies. I don't think any of you were able to hear me there. So I'm just going to do it this way again. And I'm going to start again. So apologies to our guests waiting in the wings. But hopefully, can you all hear me now? Can you just confirm that you can hear me now? Because I got uh, partway through what I was in the throes of saying there. I had uh, Sam and Tom just drop me a line to say that uh, they couldn't hear anything at all. There was just the image. So hopefully this is now working. Yep, fantastic. You've got me now. Thank you for that. So apologies for the uh, confusion. I'm just going to put that up to the full screen. So as I was saying is that before we start the show, it is only fair to just say a quick word from the very sad news today. The 12th of April 2020, British motor racing legend Sir Sterling Moss has sadly passed away at the age of 90. His wife, Lady Moss, confirmed the news, saying he died peacefully at his London home following a long illness. It was one lap too many, she said. He just closed his eyes. Though Moss famously never won the Formula One title, he finished runner-up four times and came third three times in a career during which he won 16 Grand Prix of the 66 he competed in between 1951 and 1961. His sportsmanship cost him the title in 1958 when he defended the actions of his main rival, Mike Hawthorne, following a spin at the Portuguese Grand Prix, sparing Hawthorne a six-point penalty. And Hawthorne went on to beat Moss to the title that year by a single point, despite Moss winning four races to Hawthorne's one, which highlights that his bad luck robbed him of the well-deserved title. He came close so many times and was not only labelled as the best F1 driver to never win the championship, but once Fangio retired, he was classed by many, if not everybody, as the benchmark. And Fangio even said that Moss was that, even whilst they were both racing together. A courageous, tenacious, mighty racer and a true gentleman was how everybody described him. He took part in 585 events, including a few hill climbs and sprints, of which he finished 387 and won 216. In sports cars, he was absolutely peerless, including when up against Fangio. He was also an outstanding rally driver and in 1955 set a new course record in winning the famous Milli Miglia, a 1,000-mile race around Italy. He was awarded the Sports Personality of the Year Award in 1961 and knighted in 2000. Moss was forced to retire from top-level motorsport in 1962 after a crash at Goodwood left him in a coma for a month and partially paralysed for six months, yet continued to race after that in historic cars and legends events until the age of 81. The calibre of the man is shown by how... He was even more proud to be part of the BRDC than it was to it was was to have him as such an active and supportive member of the British Motorsport Institution, which is saying a lot when you know how highly he sits in their esteems and affections. Sir Sterling, your light will never go out for us fans of the sport, and especially not for us all at Castle Coombe. I proudly talk about how you thrilled huge crowds in our circuit's first year of racing when I host racing school and corporate events at Castle Coombe Circuit. And your name will always echo in our history. Thank you, sir. And may you race in peace. God bless.
Thank you for allowing us to uh, just share those words with you. And uh, I know Tom, he will be joining us towards the tail end of the uh, the show to wrap up a few bits and pieces with us. And he was also informing me that there's every chance we'll be looking to try and do something to honour such a giant in our sport um, by when we get to the Autumn Classic as well. And it's nice to see that some of you are always uh, already saying a few words Gerald Howell, I remember as a kid having a signed Sterling Moss plastic crash helmet to wear whilst riding my homemade wooden go-kart. RIP Sterling Moss. Really was uh, sad news to wake up to. So I hope you don't mind that it was appropriate that we said a few words before we got this show underway. Now we're going to get this show underway because, of course, the whole idea of this has always been to really try to pick words, uh, pick, pick everybody up with everything that's going on at the moment. And that includes with that. And what better way to do it than welcome two legends of the circuit, shall we say? <laughs> because we all enjoy watching these guys. Now, we're hoping this is going to work. They're both from their own houses and uh, both using their own tech. They don't know what they're doing, but we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll see if this works. Right. It is the Preble brothers. I'm going to bring them in one at a time. It's counting them in and hopefully it's going to work. Let me take them off mute as well. I didn't trust them enough to keep their sound on. So, guys, you're now off mute. First of all, because he's the trouble one. Adam, can you hear us? I can hear you, but can you hear me? I can't hear Gary yet. Can you hear me now? Gary, can you hear us? I can hear you loud and clear, Chris. You can. Adam, can you hear Gary? No. (laughs) Right, I'm going to boot you out. You come back in again. Uh, Tom Davis, you're going to have to watch, I think, on the, uh, the the Facebook stream for now and come back in a little bit later, just so it's not bad, because Tom's sort of lurking in the uh, in the thing. So Adam's going to come back in a second. <laughs> this is the joys of it. Here, here he comes. Let's bring him back in again. Right, Adam, can you hear me? I can hear you, yes. Can you hear Gary? Can you hear me now, Adam? Yeah, I can hear you. All good. Fantastic. Woohoo! Gents, welcome, welcome, guys. Okay. <laughs> we, we've, been, we've been practicing it, but we knew we were going to have a spot of bother, didn't we? But before we start, what you got? Uh, <laughs> well, wrongly, I think I've got the corona. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Adam's got the dilly dilly. Nice to see you guys. It's, I, I feel like I could be back at the circuit seeing your faces now because you're so synonymous with the circuit. And I know, and, and I've got to give you guys both credit that when I came and asked you to do it, you were both, I'm going to use the word almost humble that it was even being asked to be part of this show because you guys just love going racing and that's all you ever tend to think about. I think reluctant was the word, Chris. There was that as well. Especially <laughs> how long Gary took to reply. Yeah, it was, yeah. yeah. You weren't helpful, Gary. And I kept saying to you, Adam, go and teach Grandad how to reply. Yeah. <laughs> It's too busy lowering the uh, more lawnmower the whole estate, I think. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> right. So let's get this going, and we're going to keep an eye on on questions that come in as well, and uh, and and see what uh, what comes up. Thank you very much, by the way. There's plenty of people saying um, thank you, uh, nice words about Stony Moss. I appreciate that. It was quite emotionally uh, tough. But we get in a few messages coming in. Tracy uh, Plumridge, Preble boys, cheers! <laughs> uh, that, that kind of sums up the, uh, the, the the kind of attitude we've got. I've been party to 
watching at Castle Coombe for, for many, many years. And it just, you guys are one of the, 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 the core staples. And I, and I say, guys, we've got to take this a, a generation higher because your dad is where it all started. Gary, presumably you kept, went and watched him. That's right, Chris. Um, right from an early age, I used to, um, I think I was about six or seven, used to go and watch the dad race uh, in the old tin top Hillman Imp back in the day. And um, yeah, he, he was very successful. Claims he was quicker than I was, but um, <laughs> not just machinery back then, so who knows, you know. But uh, yeah, I, I took over his space frame Imp, as you know. Um, and uh, yeah, he said, it, he said I never drove it as quick as him. <laughs> well, that's one of the cars you didn't win a championship in, though. That's I right. Yeah. I believe him. Too busy writing it off. <laughs> <laughs> well, and talking about writing it off as well, to be fair, is that um, uh, you are in the throes of trying to get it sorted again, aren't you? I am, yeah. I mean, we, we threw it in the shed and um, it, it stayed there for oh, nearly 18, 20 years, I think. Um, and I don't know why the sentimental value got the better of me of it. And I just thought, do you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and rebuild it. So, um, yeah, I, I, we looked at the chassis. I, I mean, I contacted the guy that originally made the car. It was um, a guy called Michael Law. And uh, he built it with a guy called Frank Ray down at Ray Chassis. And, um, yeah, I mean, the, the, he... Um, Oh, I forgot where I am. <laughs> <laughs> it, well, not, won't be the last time tonight. But no, I mean, no. so you've got this imp, and you're going. You're basically trying to get it sorted again. Does that mean that we could actually see this out on track again? That's the idea. Yeah. Um, basically, what I've done, I purchased. I don't know if you guys remember um, a guy called Chris Southcott with a very rapid little MG midget in in the GTs at Castle Goon. Yeah. Um, We've actually grafted the engine out of that now into the imp. So, oh, really? Should be pretty rapid. Um, hopefully, one day we we'll get it finished. What I mean, what's the plans to then do that? I know we said get it on track is is the is is the one thing, but in the bigger scheme of things, what's the plan? I mean, yeah, the the plan. My my well, foremost really is just to get the car rebuilt. Um, it's looking still pretty sorry for itself. And I just want to actually get the car finished, get it repainted and, and back on the circuit, really. Um, once it's running, then who knows, you know, whether we enter it and do a few odd rounds with it. But for me, really, it was to build the car back and, and get it back where it was. Unfortunately, the chassis was too far gone. So what we've done, um, there was a sister car, uh, Bob Jarvis, who had the, the sister car to this one. There was only two ever made. Um, and I actually tracked it down and I've purchased that car. So the actual chassis wow. is now the Bob Jarvis chassis, but the, with the some of the original sort of Brian Preble imp, if you like, back onto, the, back onto that chassis. Um, so I'm sort of amalgamating two to make one, you know, out of one. Wow. Okay, that, that's pretty cool. And you say re, uh, respray it, but I hope we're still going to see the infamous colours. We did manage to just put a little uh, photograph up there, hopefully that people are able to see in it, and and hopefully that hasn't lost Adam as well. Are you still able? Were you able to hear all of that, Adam? Yeah, I can still hear that. That's okay. Did you 
Did you ever get in that Hillman imp? No, no, I just used to go and watch him all the time. So I was there with a... the big accident as well. I, mean, I remember that like it was yesterday, yeah. Really? Yeah, I mean, I bet, crash, that wasn't, yeah. I bet that wasn't a nice experience then. No, no, it wasn't. That was a... Uh... And back in the day, I remember someone chucked me over the barrier. That's how, how different how different things changed back then. Of like with different rules and things, someone passed me over the barrier, and I was then I was chucked back over again. But it was, uh, <laughs> it's crazy, yeah. It was uh, it was pretty frightening to be fair. I mean, to, to talk about your start, Adam. Yours, I mean, you and I had a chat a chat off air the other day, and it was that yours was almost like a crazy start. That it was in that big horsepower rover tomcat you said that was your first time of really racing at castle coup yeah it was and um <laughs> jumping in the car with that much power i didn't have a clue what i was doing i remember seeing a photo of me and there was i swear it was a black line because i was a wheel spin the whole way around the corner because i was literally just trying to go as fast as possible <laughs> so it took a while to get used to uh with so much with so much brake horsepower but um it was a brilliant car missed that car really it was a, it's a shame yeah, I know that you were gutted when it was no longer um, eligible for, for the championship because you did like it. I mean, I remember you and uh, uh, Tony Hutchins having some awesome fights against him and his TT. Yes, yeah, it was really good fun. Until he knocked me off. But yeah, um, different. <laughs> we, we, we did have some good races. Tony is a, I love Tony, it's funny. But yeah, it was a shame. Well, I... because it was, that was my best ever year, that was my best ever year. I remember being stood in the paddock, actually, in the sort of middle grass bit um, uh, down that one end. And you two, uh, Tony was sort of like one side and you were the other. And there'd been a set two up at, uh, at Quarry. And I think I was stood with Tony as you came with your blooming overalls around your waist, charging up. <laughs> and it looked like it was going to come to blows, but it was fairly, fairly respectful chat between the two of you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, it wouldn't, it wouldn't ever come to blows. But it's racing, it's racing, I think. Everything happens is such a quick. You know, it, it might feel slow in the car, but it's a, it's a split second decision. So, I don't think it is. was on purpose or anything. It was just we caught up, and that was in. The, I was in the wall, and that was the end of it. But it's a shame because that lost me the overall championship. So that was a um, shame. okay. Yeah, I mean that's the you know the thing, and I apologise. Well, I guess I apologise in the. Excuse me in advance because uh, you know full well, Adam, is that we're going to be mentioning a lot about. Gary and his blooming championships. <laughs> of course, yeah, of course. <laughs> um, but you are, you know, you were there. That that cost you a championship. You're in the fight. You've, you, you know, you're there or thereabouts. This year, if you hadn't booked a holiday for the Brands Hatch away round, just saying, um, <laughs> <laughs> you could have been in the fight for the championship this year as well. Yeah, I, I think or last we could year, have. I yeah, I think if we could have, but with a few engine issues and things and. Um, I do seem to get a lot of that, but I'm hoping this year, for my dad's sake mostly, because um, <laughs> uh, hopefully we finish a, lot, a few more races. But yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, you two kind of had it the the opposite way around. Gary, you you had all your problems at the start of the year, didn't you? In 2019. Yeah, I had a, a treacherous start to the season. I think we had a turbo went pretty much. I think it was round one. Dry, dry shaft issues, gearbox, we had all going on. Um, like Adam said, that's racing. You, the, the thing with Class A is the cars are the, the, the sort of pinnacle of class. You know, Class A is the pinnacle of the class. It's the most powerful cars. Um, and they're so highly strung, they're more susceptible to go wrong. So to win a Class A championship, I've always said it, and many of the racers 
that, that you know, we raced with in Class A. They said it's so hard to win Class A championship simply because A, there's so many people in it, and B, you're the one that's going to cross the line pretty much on, you know, take the checkered flag every time. And, and that's tough going, you know. Um, not, 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 not taking it away from the lower classes, but um, generally, you know, the lower power cars are a lot more reliable and, and reliability wins championships, you know. And it, if there's not many in the other classes, there's less competition, so then it's easier to sort of keep topping up the points in the classes. I mean, bless our little Simon Norris. I mean, he's monster of a car. <laughs> yeah. When you, when you look at his competition of what he's got, he pulverises his class. So he only has to finish, basically, and he pretty much guarantees to win every single time in his class. It's so reliable, though. Yeah. It's, it's, it's even so, how reliable. It's to win a championship for him than, than it is for us, I think. And and yet the, the, the draw's still there for that class A, the, the beasts, isn't it, of the saloon car championship? That's it. I mean, it is the there's so many new contenders coming in. I mean, Alex Kite with the TT, he's the latest one that's that's came in with a big thump. Um, and he's right up there straight away. It's a great car, it's light, it's powerful. Um, you know, and and there's loads of other cars that have come into class A. Um, you know, even this last year alone. Well, that's the, that's the thing. I'm, I'm just sort of like grabbing my paperwork because my memory's uh, not so good because I've not had to exercise it yet this season. Um, he says, trying to make sure he's got it. I mean, to be honest, there was a few that were coming in fits and spurts during the course of it. I mean, Alec in that golf. Oh, yeah. I mean, him and Adam had an absolute Blind, end of uh, last season. And, you know, he, he, I know, is developing the car. He, he's going to be, what? Hopefully, we're going to get go, go racing again this year. But, um, you know, he, he's going to be stronger and quicker. It's, it was his first year in in, uh, in the Sim Series last season. so I hope not. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, that's it. I mean, Class A is everyone wants to break, you know, everyone wants to take the checker flag um, and, and be that first one across the line. And and people are building cars out there all the time to to do that you know uh, absolutely i mean still looking down through this this, this field is uh, chris rawlins is another one that's still getting to grips with that again the the, the red golf that's a monstrously powerful car and he's getting uh, more and more up to grips with that dave scaramanga we know with the sirocco is that he's able to be mixed at the front but he's had a, a very mixed year of of reliability uh, Tony Dolly, you know, it's amazing. He finished uh, Class A in fifth place and he's always able to be up there or thereabouts. And he's the one that comes in with that Mr. Consistency, isn't he? That's it. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was saying. It's it's reliability that can win a championship. And it's cost me championships time and time again. Um, you know, I've had a few DNFs and, and suddenly you're on the back foot, you know, and it all seems to happen to me on double headers for some reason. It's you know, <laughs> oh, me, me more. I don't think I've ever yeah, done it, a, a double header. And I, think. <laughs> I think my, my turning point last season was the, the away round that Adam missed, Brands Hatch. Um, I absolutely dominated the race. And um, I think from that moment on, we, we were very competitive. Uh, luckily for me, Adam's car started handling worse and um, <laughs> started getting better. So, sort of like you said, the table's completely turned from the beginning of the season. 
It really did. And I tell you what, and uh, apologies, guys, I'm, I'm sure that there's lots of questions that are there and I will get to your questions in a minute. But um, uh, bear with us as we're just sort of waxing lyrical about this season. The, I, I said on one of the earlier shows is that, in fact, I was asked what race sticks in my mind the most. And it was, since we're a day away from Easter Monday, where we should have been racing. I remember Easter Monday last year, uh, Howard's Day. And I was over in the old paddock commentary box there. And I think it might have been James Winter's car, Blue, at Quarry Corner. Dumped oil all the way around. And in fact, I was watching the footage again. And we saw Alex Kite in his TT went straight on. But thankfully, with the uh, uh, the, the, the sort of barrier protectors that we've got there now, I've forgotten their name now, um, it, you know, you're able to carry on. But he went into that. And then, of course, uh, Simon Norris came round and nearly went straight into Alex Kite's TT as they were both recovering. But at the front of this field, whilst everything else was going mayhem at Quarry Corner, no one told you guys, did they? <laughs> <laughs> I think I mean, Adam, you, you had the lead, I think, didn't you, Adam, at that point? Yes, yeah. All I remember was just seeing a flag. And Gary was on my tail. <laughs> And I saw an oil flag and I was like, where's this oil? I've got no clue where it is. I saw like a glisten. So I, I tried to keep to the left and I just full locked in. I'm thinking, oh my God, oh no. I just kept to the edge. I couldn't believe it. I was so lucky. And Gary, obviously the same behind me. I don't know how we done it. Uh, Gary, I think I remember you telling me that you saw it late because at that point you were behind Adam. You He was blocking yeah. your view and then you saw it late. That's right. Yeah. I mean, like you say, when, you, when you're the person behind the car, um, you're sort of almost breaking on instinct to the car in front of you all the time. I thought, you know, I'm not breaking until he breaks kind of attitude. And, uh, once I saw Adam sort of go flying over the circuit, thinking, what the hell is he doing over there? Suddenly I was doing him. So <laughs> it was it made for a good race because the following lap, it was where the hell's the grip, you know? Yeah. Um, you had to see where the oil was on the circuit and try and somehow cut across the oil because it literally went from one side almost to the other. Um, at some point you had to cut across it and it was trying to make the best of where you could cut across it. But yeah, it did make it a good race for sure. Uh, my my mind, I mean, you guys literally were going at it. Uh, the phrase I've used, you were going at like a pair of prize fighters at the front there, <laughs> the two of you just ding-dong battle race long until your problems, Gary. Um, but it must have been in your mind, you're going, well, if he's not going to go slower because of the oil, I'm not going to go slower because of the oil. <laughs> <laughs> that's what's even worse about being in front because you think how fast do I go into this for the point of he's going to come past me and that's that's it, the it, bit you're thinking oh no that's I was a lot more worse going around the second time knowing I was nearly into the wall and I've got to go around again you're thinking oh no <laughs> and he's on my ass so he's got this is like what do I do but yeah <laughs> Well, I know that uh, Tim Perry's watching and, and he was saying uh, last time when I brought it up is that he remembers it. He was flagging uh, at Quarry Corner. And as I, I'll scroll down in a minute, I wouldn't be surprised if his mention of it there again. It, it just it, it was terrifying for all of us to watch. Of course, I'm looking straight down the straight at the exit of Quarry, but you just wouldn't go. Sadly, Gary, that was when your car was being temperamental early part of the season, though. It was, yeah. I think the gearbox went in that particular round. Um, yeah, because you finished, didn't you? But you you had to just yeah, take it steady. I'm sure it's stripped fourth gear, um, which is quite common for that particular gearbox. Um, and I can't remember. I think I was stuck in fifth, and I was too frightened to change it into any other gear just in case it ended up as a, a box of bits. So 
I actually just nursed it round in fifth just to get it home. But um, yeah, it was uh, up until that point. It, it was a fantastic race, and uh, you know, it, it it made good for the season because Adam coming out in the Astra, it was a new car to him. Um, we hadn't done a lot of testing. It's it's quite a bit lighter than my car with similar power, so it's 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 an awesome car. Here comes um, excuses. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Gary. What was it? You know, you know, you turned to me and said it's basically like. If I was to sit in Adam's car next to him with my weight, it would make them the same weight. That's like charming. Thanks, Gary. Pretty much so, yeah. It's, it's like carrying a passenger. Yeah. But no, I mean, you know, not taking it away from Adam, actually. He does drive it well and he, he is quick. So it's it's going to make it an interesting season when we get going, for sure. Um, and it, it's nice that, you know, if the pair of us can scrap it out in front, it'd be brilliant. And, and I was about to say that is that you, you must love it. I mean, uh, you know, taking it from both sides is that Adam, you've been there sort of like being younger. You've sort of like been watching your dad is much younger then watching your, your, your older brother go in racing. And with the success that we that we know he was getting, itching to get out there and fight with him, you must be delighted to now be up there fighting with him, legitimately scrapping for the championships. Gary, equally, where you've been up there as a success, you must be loving that you've now got this sort of like brother there racing you as well. It's a bit different, surely. It's pretty good until the old man gets involved. And then that's when you start to wind everything up. But uh, (laughs) (laughs) no, all joking aside, it it is good. Yeah, it's brilliant. I mean, you know, it's always good to have a competitor up there. There's no no point in just walking off. And and that's part of the reason that we, we sold the Evo in the end, because... It got to the point in the GTs where we were just disappearing. The grids were getting thinner. There was no real racing going on. And long as the car was reliable, I was just dancing away in the front. And, you know, as great as that is, it's it's not racing. Um, and for me, when you cross that checkered flag, when you've had an absolute, you know, nail bite of a race. Ecstatic. That, that's the one. You know, you end up... This flag comes out and you end up probably screaming all the way down the quarry inside your helmet, you know. It's that it's that emotional. Well, I'm sure that I've interviewed both of you at times when you haven't necessarily won, but it's been an absolute screamer of a fight, and you're like probably even happier than when you've won comfortably. That's it, because that's what makes yeah, races, yeah. you know. It, it is that when you've had to real fight for a race and and you know you come out on top. It, that, the feeling, well, there's, there's not a feeling like it. It's, it's amazing. I mean, Adam, you, you, uh, when you first started, was it sort of a little bit daunting because of that Gary was doing so well, or were you going, no, I'm having a piece of that? Um, I think more so me thinking I'm going to have a piece of it and realizing it's a lot harder than what it, and what you think it is. You know how fast these cars go and yeah. and how cutthroat everything is. Uh, yeah, I would say, but Gary was in a different championship. There was no, I, it'd been a lot more daunting if I joined the race with Gary in it then. Um, but I so said Gary was doing the GCs and things, so I was just, I started and I just thought let's let's do the best I can do. So I, I, I had nothing to prove then, and just and then just work my way up really, and then that, that was the best way to do it, I think. And and yet you did kind of come out the, the the traps, Adam, like right at the pointy end. So you kind of probably then went, oh heck, I've got the pressure on me. Actually, a bit earlier than I was expecting. Yeah, I literally, yeah. Because when when you start like well, if you're a class A set, you start fifth, sixth. You, you you've not got so much to go back. But when you pole, 
all you can do is go worse. So it's a lot more pressure. Even if I start third, I've not, I, I, my pressure is so much less to me in a way. I don't know why. It's just second you're on pole, you can only go backwards. Yeah, so yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah, it, it does. Your, your left foot twitches over the clutch and you're, you're on the start line. <laughs> Well, you know, and on that front, Adam, is that you've now got into the racing. Was Big Brother helpful for you, giving you tips and advice? Were you open to those tips and advice? Or was he just like, nah, I'm not having none of that. I'm not, I'm not encouraging him. <laughs> I think that was probably before we started the saloons together. Then, then everything stopped. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but he, no I could, I, that's a lie. Like, Gary does help out with the car and things and... He's done. He's done like like in before a race. He's he's got us out on the track, and the, I'm not mechanically minded like Gary, and um, he's helped us out loads of things like that, especially. So I, I can't take away that from him at all. No way. And your dad's always in the the uh, paddock as well. Oh yeah, dad. Yeah, dad. Dad's good as well. Obviously, but like I said dad. Dad's the wind up. He's uh, he's race. Uh, <laughs> you can see where we get it from. So he's funny. <laughs> I love yeah. it. I love it because. Because he doesn't do it to me, he does it to Gary. So that's <laughs> And yet, and yet, he's the most nervous man when he's heading to or from that pit wall, uh, you know, in that whole paddock area. He might be all the bravado, but he's still nervous, isn't he? Oh, yes. He doesn't, he doesn't even watch us come around Camp Corner. He doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't even watch us. He just sits there with his lap timer, waiting, looking forward, because he won't watch us go around the corner. Love it. That is so, so good. Um, just quickly then, because we have got lots of comments and questions coming in. So we've got Daniel Williams. This kind of sums it up. Preble Brothers, pair of legends. Emma Strawford saying double trouble are here. You know, this kind of, you know, it, it, it sums it up. <laughs> um, question then from Rory Miller. What is Adam and Gary's best memories of the circuit? So, Gary, I'll start with you. Your best memory that first comes to your mind of the circuit? Oh, oh there's lots of them. Um, I mean, really, the, the best memories are always, I think, um, unfortunately for Adam, he hasn't got that one yet, but taking a championship. I mean, you know, the, the ones that spring to mind is... Um, you know, your first ever championship, it, it, it is, you know, it's it's up there for sure. When you've got to finish, normally the races go down to the wire. Um, nine out of ten times they're down to the last race meeting as well. There, there's just, again, as I said before, like like a race win when you're fourth. There's no feeling like it. That, that feeling when you cross the line and you know you've just taken the championship is just absolutely amazing. But... It's difficult to say what a best memory is because there's just there's just so many good memories at Coombe, you know. Um, it's, a bit, it's, it's just hard to pick one, if I'm honest. But yeah, championships are up there. That's a good that's a good answer, you know. If you have got that many, Adam, what about yourself? Mine was my first race win uh, on Motors TV. That's that's my first memorable one across the grass. I don't think it's probably such a legal thing, <laughs> say so. But that was uh, that was, the, I was literally my most nervous races would we come up with the bat markers and things and it was literally down to the last corner. So that's my most memorable for sure. Well, actually I'm wondering whether that's because Dave Rogers, uh, many of us know he's one of the uh, crazy marshals and he does uh, dilly dilly Dave, because I'm sure you're watching now. Um, and he was saying, I was reminiscing the other day when Adam came out of Bobby's and hooned it along the grass on the inside to overtake, <laughs> thinking it was, but not a hundred percent sure. Is that the same one? 
Yeah, that's that's definitely the same one. I, 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 you don't realise how fast the grass is at probably over 100 miles an hour going down to camp or something. So I was very lucky to stay on. Yeah, you don't very want lucky. to. It's, it's a lot bumpier. It's a lot bumpier than it looks that bit of grass. Adam, I, I got a question as well for you because I, I, I know the answer from Gary. Have you raced um, elsewhere other than Castle Coombe? Yes, yeah, we uh done Brandsatch, Silverstone. Not many though. Um oh, of course you did more. the C one, didn't you? Yeah, we've done the it was at the LMA Saloons uh, a few years ago. Alton Park as well and I said we've done spa with the C ones. Yeah. But we were hopefully we'd try and get the rover, it'd be nice. Um and, and try and do like some of the turbo tin tops or something with with better with not slicks, because that was what killed the rover, but it's, it's too much the handling was too too good and it broke everything so i think you got the peter best mg uh one of the mg cups as well that they have some of the tomcats in so that could be something we can't yeah we can't we can't do that unfortunately because the 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 things that have been done to it they won't last it up we we asked Ah, okay okay Um, but some of the drive they've dropped some of the drivers just went up for it we just thought it'd be nice to just race with a few yeah yeah uh, yeah a few other tomcats but that's their championship if they're not up for that and i can understand that yeah, no, that's fine. Whereas Gary, I remember you also in the is it was it the Euro Saloons or Yeah, that's it. That was the days of the Evo. Um Yeah. Yeah, we did the, the Euro Saloons for a season. Um that was that was a cracking little championship, to be honest. Yeah. But like many of them, they they die of death and um whether it's numbers, I don't know. But um yeah, it, you know, it, it is good to go and do other circuits. Um but you know, Coombe, I, although we're sort of Southampton boys, Coombe's really our local, although Thruxton's probably the localist, there's so little race in there. So Castle Coombe is, is you know, our local circuit, really. Um, and the atmosphere at the circuit is just fantastic. Exactly. That's, that's the best thing about it. You go to these other circuits, they're brilliant. It's, it's good to race something different. But there's just not the atmosphere of Coombe. Or crowds. There's no, you go, I remember coming to watch you with the Evo. Yeah, the only people that are watching are the people who've come to come with you racing. That's it. There's, there's going yeah. to be twenty people up watching the no, race. Nothing. No atmosphere at all. There's lots of no no spectators. You don't get no feel. There's no. I no know. I know. That sort of thing. And that was really where I was coming from. Of asking about elsewhere is that you were talking about you know the question from uh, Rory about you know your best memories and you were talking about these different memories. And it was almost like, well, I bet it's made even better because of the crowds that are there. You know, I grew up as one of those crowds to start with. You know, the commentary bit's only been the last uh, nine years. Before that, I was in on the spectator bank up at Quarry Corner and wherever else. And and I, I'm pretty sure you guys do know this because we've had these conversations, is that you're kind of like almost stars of this soap opera that happens in front of this, the big crowds that are always at Castle Coombe. And that must feel really cool <laughs> I didn't really think about it to be honest never think about that no never <laughs> I think you know I mean there's loads of questions that I get asked you know about winning about winning so many races and all this kind of thing and what's your tactic half the time I haven't got a clue I, uh, you know I, basically I turn up and you're focused on just that day that race that qualifying um, I don't really ever think about you know, what has been or future stuff. It's just all about here and now for me. Well, and, and on that basis is that when we were doing preparation for this and uh, Sam Preston uh, was asking for, for bits of information from you guys uh, to do the story and you basically turned and said, ask Chris, he'll know more than me. 
<laughs> so he knows more about me than I do. <laughs> Which sadly, I think I kind of half proved that as well with the stuff I did give him. But, you know, it's, it's that said is I don't know the figures is that you are. And the reason why we've started with you guys is not just that there's this unique family element that starts with your dad. And now the two of you fighting it out and, and brilliant entertainment is that you're kind of dubbed the king of Coombe. In uh, a week and a half's time, we've got Ilsa and Brian Cox, and of course, Ilsa is labelled the Queen of Coombe. Um, Definitely, yeah. You are the most winningest driver, Gary, at the moment across like the saloons and the and, and the GTs and everything. But I, I've lost track of what those numbers are now. I don't know. Let's just hope it stays like it. <laughs> this guy, this guy's planning to change that, aren't you, Adam? Basically, I try everything I could. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Can you do enough to retire soon? So I, I was about to say, how old are you yeah. both now? Remind me. Gary's 62. I'm <laughs> <laughs> 33, Graham. And you're 41, did you say, Gary? No, 49, Chris, unfortunately. I, felt, I did you for a minute there, mate. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not retiring yet, don't worry. <laughs> good, good, good. But 33, wow, I mean... Gary, I mean, that must be quite exciting in its own way, is that that you know that your brother's there got quite a few years to be chomping at the bit to do that as well. Yeah, I'm going to have to... Um, it's going to be tough, isn't it? Certainly. <laughs> I'll be going to a to try and beat this. Yeah, you know, he's going to be pushing me all the way, I'm sure. <laughs> I mean, and, and, you know, coming to you, Adam, is that you must be delighted. You look at those numbers of, of your ages, is that you know you've got a lot of years to now mount up those, those victories. You've got a car that is just phenomenal. I mean, let's just put this into perspective for anybody who doesn't know, is that last year, 2019, 6th of May, you smashed the Class A lap record with a 112.158. Shame we're not allowed to swear, Chris. No, don't. Don't, <laughs> don't call him any names. <laughs> but you're, you're there. You're ready to attack this now, aren't you? Yeah, but, but from then, it all started to go downhill. That was the worst bit. We, we, had, we had the engine we had the engine problem. We kind of never got back after there. So and then it was like handing problems and... So I'm just, I was just, we were hoping to get a test before all this thing happened and that, to actually see. But again, we've checked, we're going to change tyres now. So you don't know where, you never know where we're going to be at. But like that, 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 that 112 could then be a 111. So then the problem is we don't know where our points are. So if the car's back to what it was, um, which is going to be, it's annoying in a way because you, because I know that the car wasn't there to get the times I was asking for before. Um, but let's hope it, that's where it is and we've got some quicker tyres now and hopefully it handles a lot better as well. I mean, it's still early days, isn't it? There's a lot more to come from that car, you've got to assume. I, I, I don't know. I hope, I hope so. <laughs> Gary hope, says hopefully hope not. So. <laughs> I, I hope so, but there's a point of the engine is... You can always turn the power up in the cars. We end up having to turn the power down because they become undrivable. Um, and Interceptor Racing, Russell Humphrey, he's, he's, had, he's, he's set it up really well and... Um, I think unless some mods come out or something or a better gearbox and things. And other than that, it's hard to see where else you can go, really. I mean, and, and the, the, the worrying thing for everybody else, Gary, is that you're still developing that Leon as well, aren't you? It is, yeah. I mean, we, we've almost got to the end of where it can go, really. But we are doing a couple of little things. We've made a few tweaks over the, over the winter on it and uh, we've changed a couple of things. Hopefully um, the wrong way. Yeah. <laughs> 
the engine, um, we actually found that the engine was passing by quite a bit through the exhaust valves, so, um, which was quite nice to know that we were still pretty much on pace at the end of the season and, and the engine was tied. So um, it was nice to find a couple of issues with the car. But um, I don't know, for this year, hopefully we get to go racing. Um, I think transmission is going to be key. Um, the, the tyres are going to be, we think, quicker. Um, going on to a list one B tyre, who knows what the quickest tyre is? That again is a, going to be an absolute minefield for everybody to find out who's getting the best lap times out of the best tyres. Um, but certainly, it's going to put a lot more load on the transmissions. And I feel personally, you're going to probably see a lot more DNS through transmission failures. That's the last thing I need. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but picking up on that. Is is that is that like um, as in that's that's going to stay or that's when you first venture out and there's things that we will need to be changed to overcome that? Are you limited to what you can do because obviously you're not allowed sequential gearboxes. Um, you are allowed dog boxes, but my particular car doesn't seem to suit a, a dog box. We've tried it; it's failed miserably. Um, it's cost me a lot of races, so. We've pretty much ended up putting it in the bin. Um, I've still got it, but, you know, for some reason it doesn't work that well. Uh, I don't know. I just think dry shafts and everything else, I think there are motorsport-type dry shafts that you can get. Um, but how good they are dealing with the power that we're running through them, you know, it, it's almost like a ticking bomb waiting to explode, and that Something's going to give at some point, and you've only got to change gear at the wrong time or hit catching in a curb on your on your full-on power. Um, and, and these things can break quite easily anyway, you know. Um, but I think generally when you look at people that go on to slicks and, and grippier tyres in general, as Adam mentioned earlier with the Rover, because of the extra grip of the car, it used to just pound the transmission and everything else. And that's the stuff that always used to break. And I think we're kind of heading into that ter- territory going in with um, – with grippier tyres, we could be seeing a lot more transmission failures. Not so much in the lower class, again, because they've got less power. Right. Okay. So it's going to be an interesting balance there. Mm. Um, Keep going with the questions then. Uh, Emma Strawford has asked, how old were you when you first went to watch at Castle Coombe? Start with you, Gary, because yours will have been first, old boy. (laughs) Wow, yeah. That would have been, again, going back to the days of my dad. So, um. I can't remember when he went to King first. I would imagine probably early 80s, I would kind of guess. Um, his racing career was sort of mid-70s, but I, I seem to remember him a lot at, at Brands Hatch and Thruxton. He did the Wendy Walls and, and won the Wendy Wall Championship. Um, so it was sort of later on, I think, that he went to Coombe. And, and, and I think it was probably late 70s, early 80s, I would say. Um, and it's funny, as a kid, I always remember going around the paddock and I used to be a massive, like, sticker collection man. I used to have a, a carrier bag. I mean, I don't know, the old <laughs> generation would probably remember this. You know, you used to be able to go around the paddock and pick up literally a carrier bag full of stickers. I used to come away with hundreds. So did I. So did I. <laughs> even, even when I was going to watch you, I used to go around getting signatures and everything. I was talking to everyone, which is no surprise, but... <laughs> <laughs> 
No, but I mean, that's the great thing is that you guys, again, you started as fans before you became racers. Yeah, exactly. I was never one that, um, you know, one of these racers that ever sort of started out into karting or um, as most people start their racing career, you know, most of them start out go-karting and, and sort of progress on and, and do track days. And I never had any of that. I never had a track day car. It was literally, I followed my dad racing. He always had his him with him. And um, it was a case of he was sort of decided enough was enough. And um, I kept expressing an interest and what have go. And he just said, if you think you can do it, go and do it. And he threw me straight into qualifying. I had no track day, nothing. It was literally entered me into a race and go. Wow. That's a, an impressive baptism of fire. So I've just done some quick math. So you probably were early teens by the time you first came to watch it, Coombe. I think that works out probably, isn't it? If you say so, Chris, yeah. <laughs> Not necessarily. Quick math is never my thing, so I might be wrong. No, me either. Adam, what about yourself? I, I, I really don't remember. The, I, I, I don't know, how, how old were you when you had that accent, guys? It was even a couple of years, few years before then, I think. I was well, always trying one. to come. Yeah. The big one, yeah. I was, I was always trying I to come. Always... The day, I think I got some dates wrong. I mean, I think it must have been about 98, around about 98, 99, because I remember we, we crashed the Imp and then got the Rover. a few months later came out in the Rover. And that was 2000, I think, the debut of the Rover. So, um, yeah, I'm well off as well. Then. So, yeah. So, not, not excessively young then, but still young enough that you were sort of like sort of loving watching what you were. And I'm just picking up, by the way, if you said 2000 is when you got the Rover, that uh, um, uh, two years later, 2002, was when you got your first championship was in that car in the, uh, in the saloons. It was, yeah. I mean, as I said, again, was a, a was a sort of debut with the Rover that I'd never forget because um, it, it was sort of a sad ending to the imp, and, and when we we crashed that badly at, at Camp at Camp Corner, and, um, and that was racing in the GTs. But uh, yeah, I'll never forget the Rover. Which as I said, we came out; it was absolutely pouring with rain. Brought it out um, into qualifying for the first ever race that, it, that we brought the car to. And stuck the car straight on pole. I mean, it was it was amazing. I'd always remember Dad turning around to me and said, "Don't expect to stay there." He said, "You'll find out how underpowered it is soon." The sure <laughs> one dried up in the race, and we just ended up going backwards. Oh, really? We ended up finishing about fifth or something. Um, but yeah, I mean, we knew the car had potential. That was for sure. And we quickly sort of got hold of the. I mean, back then, I think it was a guy called. Um, Oh, someone land a Sigma Engineering um, used to do the engine back in the day up in uh, Shaftesbury, and uh, he quickly went to town on the engine and, and got it going. And, and yeah, without within within that sort of season, we started picking up a few race wins. But yeah, it was uh, a good car for sure. Which Adam obviously then took over later on. Yeah, I mean, so two thousand two, you won the championship in that. Um... At what point did you take that over, Adam? I think it's 2011. Was I okay. Over. So, I, thought, so, I don't know how old I was. I, 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 I passed my license, my race license. Yeah, we did for like a while, didn't we? Because it was becoming unreliable when the four-wheel drives came out. Um, that's when we purchased the car off Rob Ballard, the, the Mitsubishi Evo. But um, 
we parked the rover up for a while because it just kept breaking every time it was always failing on on the transmission or engine where we were literally pushing it to its limit and um it it sort of got to the point where we, it was winding the power up, winding the power, and it just got more fragile, more fragile as the just trying to stay with the four wheel drive cars. So um, I think what happened is we went to the Evo, the Rover got sort of left in the shed for a bit, and then it was decided to get it back running and get it going. And I think that's when obviously Adam then came out with it. Okay, that makes sense, because I was trying to sort of work all this out, because I know that it was in 2009 that the four-wheel drive things got taken out of the saloons and put into the GT, and that was when you then started seeing success. Well, you had to wait again. 2012 and 2014, you won the two GT championships in that. 680 brake horsepower Evo, is that right? It was a little monster, wasn't it? <laughs> and that's still, did you tell me that's over in like America or something now? Yeah, oh, uh, Hong Kong. It, we actually, um, yeah, it was myself and um, and uh, Nick, Nick um, no, not Nick, uh, oh, Mark, Mark Harrison. Um, he, he had uh, an Evo as well. And um, he ended up doing it. We, we sort of put it on race car direct as you do. We had this guy approach us, these sort of city slickers from Hong Kong, and they ended up buying the pair of them and, and going on a container and, and shipped back. And I, and I believe, for the last I heard, he was still being pretty competitive out in Hong Kong with it. Did I say it was like Matt Black or something like that, wasn't it? it? Yeah, it went Matt Black, yeah. Yeah, I remember that, just to make it look even more menacing. So, so Adam, that was a car that you never got to drive then, is that right? Uh, yeah, on the track, yeah, no, never. <laughs> that, that was a brilliant car no no I was only on my dad's driveway that's all I drove on <laughs> and, yeah. and back after when Gary used to when Gary used to win the race I used to love driving it back to the to that that was yeah. my that was my win but I was only young as well I used to drive it back <laughs> so you I mean I'm just going to bring this in because we've been kind of touching on this uh, Tim Perry one of the mighty orange army. So good to see you, Tim. Uh, thank you for joining us again. When did you both get into racing? Um, we kind of been touching on that, but but Adam uh, is is that you were there, sort of like all around it and being, you know, like driving the car from sort of Park Ferme round and all of that, just getting that bug more and more and more. Yeah, like I said, I I, I passed my race license. I think when I was eighteen, hoping Dad was going to give me a go, and that was I think I was waiting another four more years after that. So he actually let me. To trust me in the car, so <laughs> I had to take my race license twice because I didn't renew it, thinking it was fine. I had to redo it twice. Oh wow! Oh, no. <laughs> it actually, it actually run out because I didn't keep renewing it. I couldn't believe it, but yeah, I think I was twenty-one when I first had my first race, and that was the Rover. Yeah, and then that was the Rover. Yes, and like that, and I only ever done one track day before then. It was with Gary in the in the blue Rover we've got. Yeah, and that was just a standard standard two hundred brake horsepower Rover. Then I said the difference was. <laughs> There's a big difference. Yeah, is that Nick Mizzen's old Rover? No, no, it was. I think it was. It was a show car then, but yeah. Oh, okay. It's only because I remember Nick's was a, a pet. Well, that was a pale blue, wasn't it for for Nick? And you guys yeah. had some great fights there. Um, okay, so you waited. You then had uh, the the Rover two twenty. Uh, Gary was off in the GTs. Then he came. Gary's got a habit of uh, of of getting cars off of poor Rob Ballard. <laughs> <laughs> he 
He's not letting you have his Sirocco, Gary. I know that one. Wow. <laughs> He's prepping it ready. Yeah. It's all psychology, you see. He's got to work on him. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, yeah, bless Robbie. He's, um, he, we, we talked him into selling the Evo. He had a, you know, a big crash um, with Mark Harrison, actually, through folly. Uh, pretty hefty, very quick one. And, um he decided after that, I think that he lost, you know, lost confidence with the car, and I was desperate to get into the four-wheel drives, and yeah, and and, and, and we sort of prized it off him and, and managed to get that, and then um, yeah, go, going back to the lay-on again, I think Rob, um, he obviously unfortunately became quite ill with health and, and, and a lot of health issues at the time, and uh, decided he was sort of going to sort of take a back seat in, and um, didn't want the car sat, I think, sat in a garage doing nothing. And um, I expressed an interest in the car and, and also expressed an interest in having a go at him. So I always remember I went down to his home and, and actually serviced the car for him, changed the brake pads and um, got it ready for the next race meeting. And he said, just just go and go and try it and see what, see what you think. And... Um, and and again, I mean that's that's a, a great race that sticks in my mind, and and that you're talking of fond memories at Coombe and and everything else. Um, I remember taking the car out, exactly the same. I stuck it on pole first <laughs> on the thing, and um, I was very sort of sketchy off the start. Never never done a start in the car ever before, and I think I went from first to fourth, maybe even be fifth, and. Um, slowly through the race sort of picked my way back up and I think I think it was the last lap or the lap before second lap before the end managed to take the lead and actually come through and win the race and it was I just I met Rob after in the park fairman we went into into the assembly area and uh, I got out of the car and and the excitement on both our faces I just literally leapt straight into him and uh I think there's there's a picture somewhere on on Castle Coombe forum, but uh, yeah, fantastic moment, absolutely brilliant way to start the car's career for me. And I remember it well because I, uh, I interviewed you after that, and uh, I was about to say is that your biggest fan, your biggest supporter, was always Robin. Well, supporters was Robin Chess down there, even though it was always bittersweet because it's your your uh, <laughs> his car that you're now doing. But it, it was a big deal. It, yeah. I mean, I think, again, I think he liked to watch me do well in it. You know, he'd obviously had a successful time in the car as well. And um, I sort of took it on to another level, if you like, because I developed it further from what Rob had it. I did a lot of suspension changes. He couldn't ever get rid of the um, the pad knockoff. It used to suffer terrible with pad knockoff. Adam probably don't even know what that is, but um, <laughs> I've heard about it. <laughs> Me neither. Yeah, you used to go through the chicanes out the back, and um, basically used to push the brake pads away from the from the calipers. So the next time that you come charging down the tower and hit your foot on the brake, the pedal would pretty much sink to the floor. And um, it, yeah, that in the C one. As you can imagine, it's quite hairy. It's it's when you're doing sort of hundred plus mile an hour down to that corner. So um, we had, I, I sort of looked at what we could do and we machined the, the actual bells in the end and actually put a bit more play into them, which, which cured the problem, which Rob never could. And um, it, just, it just went on from there. We just got the car going better and better. 
he stiffened the rear end up and got it to turn in better. Um, and right up to the point, the car was amazing up until, unfortunately, uh, I think again, Mr. Hutchins uh, springs in again. With, uh, <laughs> it took me out down into tower with, with um, Charles Andrew Bird, the pair of them were having a, a battle oh, and came together. And, and the, the car I don't think has ever handled the same as what it did back then. I mean, it, it was, you could do anything with it. And um, it's getting there. It's taken all this time to get it back to where it was probably three, four years ago. Adam's probably there going, yeah, he's saying that now after he's just won Class A again and came third overall. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> Adam, Adam, picking up on that a little bit, um, is that I'm like you. I don't understand all the mechanical stuff that everyone. I'm a race fan. I love the excitement of the racing. Do you ever feel that you're at a disadvantage in the fact that Gary's able to go on there talking everything about the mechanical you tell me that you're, that's not your bag. Does it ever inconvenience yes, you? I, th- I think it does, in a way, because I can't go out as much as Gary would say and say it's doing this. What do I need to change it so much? As and that's, that's a big part about being a racing driver, I think, as well. So I could say I was oversteering, understeering, but Gary would come in and go, oh, let me change this to that and then go out again. And then the car's better than it was before, so... He's got that knowledge to, to to change it every race. So I'm more like, well, it handled worse that race than it did this race. And I think that can ultimately make him faster and the car faster um, and things like that. So he's he's got more te- technical race knowledge as well than that. So, but yeah, I, don't, I think it is a disadvantage. Not, not massively. Uh, no, yeah. It handles well. Um, it's not like I started with a car that handled terribly. Um it, ha- it does handle well when it does what you want it to do. Um, but, yeah, I, I think if, if I had the Gary's mind, I'll never let him drive it. Um, but <laughs> if I think if I had the, the mind, what he does as fine-tuning things, you could probably get a little bit more out of it, I reckon. Well, it's, it's always interesting for me to, to, to hear that because I'm like, like I say, I'm more like yourself. Just quickly finishing off this question with Tim then about where you, for, were you always competing against each other? I mean, I know off the track, you guys just do full stop anyway at the best of times. Um, but it's just brilliant banter, brilliant uh, rivalry. But presumably, as you said, is that you were then in the Rover, Tomcat in the saloons. Gary was in the GTs in the Evo. Then he went and, uh, um, sorry, Mrs. The current Mrs. Dawes had just bought me another gin. Okay. Sorry, love. Sorry, love. I'm right out of my one. Yeah, but that's, that's to make sure you don't have to keep going to the toilet, Adam. That's that all that is. Very is. true. Very true. <laughs> um, <laughs> Then Gary got the uh, the Leon, so you then knew that he was coming into the saloons. That presumably was the first time that you two guys actually got to go head to head. What when he was in the Leon? No, I don't think we ever raced. Yeah, in the did, Leon. You have, did you have the Rover? Yeah, I suppose what happened. I think because you took a little time No, we would never actually been in the same race. Up, yeah, never been in the same race. Awesome. I don't know how that happened. Yeah, you must have. I think. Yeah. I think. I think. Our dad, Brian, obviously was was trying to be both more sensible for himself and then <laughs> trying to keep his um, trying to keep his, his his own wallet a bit safer because <laughs> he thought that uh, yeah I, I think he's mad anyway still today but there we go <laughs> I think a lot of people always say that uh, there's a more entertaining watching my dad in the pits than there is us two out on the circuit but um, no no. It, 
I think up until last year was the first time that we'd actually both actually run a race together. We've always been doing our own thing. And I think when Adam started his career, I'd actually, I think I'd actually taken a year out. I was actually not even racing at all back then um, when Adam first started racing. So okay. it was, um, we've always kind of missed that, that bit, you know, we've always been supportive of each other, but we've always sort of missed that last, uh, bit where you actually race each other we've done a bit of karting together and, and likewise sure, sure. days and there's always um he's a cheat that comes in impression <laughs> straight into the wall <laughs> <laughs> so basically in answer to that question we are saying it's literally only the last couple of years that you guys yeah. so astro versus leon is the first time that's yeah. that yeah that definitely yeah that's where I mean it's it's interesting because it, for me of covering so much is it always sort of crosses over and you sort of go well surely that that you had the rover at the same time the Leon you go actually no the rover was gone and you took some time out and presumably you were getting itchy itchy feet while uh, you weren't able to race then Adam. But it, yeah, I, I actually can't think I actually can't get in my mind what we have done. I just thought I was always in the rover then the rover. I'm confused how that actually went. You get yeah. in the GTs all the time, then you come think, back in. Yeah, I think I was in the GTs while Adam was in the saloons. Yeah, Must yeah. So it's much more more recent. Um, I, Alex, I, because I went to the GTs, that was it. I went ah, to the okay. GTs. And that was right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. No, I, 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 cause the Rover was not eligible anymore. That's so fine. I had to go yeah. to the GTs and the Rover. And then Gary got the... So we, we basically When you had the, went in the GTs, I went back into the saloons. Yeah. Still, I, I literally couldn't think. I could not think at all. <laughs> I'm glad it wasn't only me then. Uh, Alex, <laughs> Alex Litton's uh, got a question. I was watching Gary racing many years ago in his Rover and I became a paddock marshal to get closer to the drivers. drivers. Question for Gary. Uh, what was your favourite car you, you've driven at Castle Coombe? And let's go with, for, let go with your race cars, but if there's anything else you've driven around there that, that maybe was your favourite. Um. Oh. It's probably again. It's between the Imp and, and the Evo. Two really, massively different cars. Um, I think for enjoyment, probably the Evo. Um, you know that that thing in the wet was just phenomenal. You, I, I remember many a times just going in the quarry, throwing the car sideways, and just. <laughs> looking out the passenger window of actually where I was going to end up. You could just bury the throttle and eventually <laughs> it would just pull itself out and, and you'd end up heading up towards the chicane somehow. But yeah, I think it was an absolute beast of a car. Um, expensive to run. Yeah. Um, but... That was that was its downside. Um, but when everything worked, it was it was just phenomenal. What about Adam? Um, I mean, certainly in terms of the race cars, is the Rover or, or the the Astra? Um, so, out of those two, which one was your favourite? I say the C one. I love I love the Astra, but I think I've had more fun racing the C one in an actual race situation than I have in the Astra. It's, and do you know it, what? That is a, it is absolutely amazing. And I'm not surprised to hear you say that, actually, because where I've covered um, the C1s and we've had like GT professional racing drivers, as you know, suddenly getting involved in in the C1s as well. And I've covered them uh, various circuits around the country and they've jumped out and just got the 
biggest grin on their face ever. It is their Why? way. Because they're just, they're just so much fun. Like, with the race of what we're doing, you, you're going so fast. Everything's like, you're mentally done. With the C1, you have time to think and you're forward abreast and you're sideways and someone's spinning in front of you and someone's crashing. And it's you yeah. literally, you can go around laughing. <laughs> but when Gary sat on you, sat behind you, that's not fun. It's a different kind of racing. You can like, no. <laughs> if you know what I'm saying, there's a bit more pressure. You can go around and forward abreast and everyone's touching wing mirrors and you're laughing your head off. And you can be battling with that person for over an hour, and it is it is it is, a, it is loads of fun. It really is. I can imagine. I can imagine. Um, let's have a look. I'm just going to read this question because it's a long one. Make sure it's okay. <laughs> I'm trying to make sure I can understand this. We got Matthew Harkis has said, "I have a question. What originated the drifting to come to Coombe, and have you guys ever been out in the cars during the demos?" And what was your favourite moment during it? Have you ever done drifting? I haven't, no. No, I haven't, no. One thing, no. I've, I've done it unintentionally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As you just said in the Evo there, yeah. Well, Matthew Harkis, I mean, it's a key thing. When I cover the uh, the action days, they are amazing. They genuinely are fantastic um, to, to watch that. Uh, presumably, you know this, Tina Wellman Hawk, proud of my nephews. Yeah. Yes, sir. I see Tina. <laughs> Got to get some of that in as well. Um, besides each other, so thank you, Gerald Howe. Besides each other, who has been your biggest opponent? Your fiercest opponent? Oh, in in what championship? Are we talking GTs, saloons? It, it, either of them that literally just became, and you know, your your fiercest rival. And not necessarily in a bad way, just that that you know you had just this sort of like Senna and Prost uh, moment. Yeah, I mean, for me, really, was going back to the GT Championships, it was always Mr. Tilling, you know, with, with that mental radical. Yeah. Um, we, we, again, two different classes. Um, the, the Evo was not really doing what it, it wasn't. It wasn't competing with the cars that it should have been competing with, you know. Because yeah. it had four-wheel drive and fantastic traction, we could just rock it off the line beat all the radicals off the line. And then I could slowly just see Simon just homing me in. And and uh, that that was fantastic. And again, I mean, taken into the saloons, you've, you've got Mr. Norris. I mean, he's he's been um, always sort of bashing on, literally bashing on my door throughout many of the seasons. Um, it, again, you know, Simon's, he, he's always there. He's always the one to watch in qualifying because normally he sits and waits and winds everything up to the maximum and then tries to out-qualify you right at the very end. So Dan Simon's always been a great contender in, in the saloons as well. So you basically That's don't like the name Simon. More than me in the GT. <laughs> but he, he learned his way, I think, and then, I don't know, he might have took a few driving lessons and learned how to drive, and he's been brilliant in the saloons. Yeah, uh, and who was that? Sorry, because I accidentally trashed over there. Who was that at the end then? Sorry, Simon. Yeah, I was going to say, Simon Norris. He's, uh, as I said, uh, a lot of you probably remember it back in the GTs. He was he was a bit of a menace when he first started and uh, caused a lot of problems and, and accidents, you know. Um, but I think he, he, he quickly calmed down. And, and um, after that time, when he got into the saloons and everything else, we, we had some fantastic racing and we still do to this day. He's a fair racer, 
we've always had some great ding dongs. Um, and and he's always there, as I said, he's always there in qualifying. He's always there right to the very end. And and I think another one that's going to go for, and hopefully does stay around for this, is that with all of you guys at the front that's going to turn into ding dong battles is Kitey, Alex Kite. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Big, big, big fighter at the front, and he's he's prepared to get involved. Adam, have we already sort of really said yours? Mr. Hutchins being your main. Yeah, yeah. I would say Mr. Hutchins for sure. Um, He's coming back. It's hard to think. Yeah, he's back. Yeah, he's back. So it'd be interesting. Be good to see him out there again. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I'd say probably back in the day, it was mostly Tony Hutchins. I think was the one, and it was with his one hundred and six Nick Charles and. It was, it was back then. I've changed because when you when I I done a lot of time with the GT, so the, the grids were quite small in the class D and things. So you were either with someone or you could have a whole race on your own. So, but again, now it's one say it's probably Gary is one of my. Always yeah. want to try and beat Gary. It's just one of those things you want to do. <laughs> you know, the most wins, and he's your brother. That, that, that's your rivalry. That's the person you want to beat. We all want to do that. To be fair, I get that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, while I remember as well, because we're suppo- you guys are supposed to make sure you get a shout in for uh, two people that I believe is that Nick Mizzen taught you everything you know. Apparently, he does uh, definitely, definitely. Hello, Nick. <laughs> 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 uh, and uh, you've got a very good photographer that was kind enough to let us use your uh, your uh, some of his photos of you to do this this piece. He did, yes. Uh, we're really lucky. Have you seen how good the photos are as well? They are amazing. They are. So have a look at the news piece on the Castle Coombe site. So that's James Lutner, isn't it, for you guys? Yes, oh, yes, yeah. And what? Um, is it visual, visual.e? Brilliant photos. Yeah. They're always amazing. Um, we, we were saying we're going to get some stickers on the car as well this year, hopefully. So good. They're, they're, we were, face, they're, they're brilliant photos. Well, we were we, saying only the other week. We're blessed with some really good photographers at Castle Coombe, and all of you guys have, you know, There's loads of them, yeah. Oh, cool, yeah. So, brilliant. Yeah, no, really, there's been some brilliant photos, absolutely. There's a couple that one, my favorite ones with me and Gary coming uh, down to Quarry, and Gary's nearly sideways going down over like Avon, uh, Avon Rise. That's a brilliant photo. <laughs> yeah. direction yeah <laughs> i think i have them and it's unfortunate because i was going to sort of like share them on the screen but where we're sort of being making sure that this carries on working that we've kind of uh, uh, you know stopped doing that i'm going to whip through a few comments and questions eric pierce great pair of racers can't wait to see you at it racing that is uh soon uh matt coyle who of course is the uh, championship coordinator for the saloons i've had the pleasure of watching a few races with your dad his passion is amazing uh, and, and, you know, Chris Hignall's confirmed that. So, absolutely, Brian Preble's passion still exists, although I've watched it being very nervous as well as we've already discussed. <laughs> um, let's have a look. Uh, oh, I'm hoping that that didn't, that didn't stay the issue because Simon Kempthorne said, can't hear you, but hope no one else has said that, so hopefully it's okay now. Um, just making sense of this, uh, Alex. Another question for Gary: Would he be more afraid of racing in a similar car? I don't know whether that's against Brian or Ilsa Cox. Back in the day, of course, those two, I, I, you guys must have had as well, enjoying watching their pair of red Peugeots having fabulous fights at the front. But of course, you were involved in in the middle of those, Gary, a lot as well. Yeah, I, mean, I had some absolutely fantastic races with uh, with Ilsa more than Brian actually. Um, Back in the day, again with the Rover, and uh, I think I always remember one race um, with, with Ilsa trying to come round the outside of me at Camp Corner, 
And um, it didn't quite work. I think he ended up, she ended up bouncing along the grass and coming back on again. But I mean, that 205 was just absolutely awesome. Uh, it's a shame it's still not around a day because it would be a mega car for the for the hot hatch, of course. Absolutely. What happened? You know, we don't know. No, I mean, that was wound up fabulously well, wasn't it? I mean, I've seen some great photos that included you in the Rover, Ilsa in the, the red Peugeot. you got Mark White in the incredibly powerful yellow Vauxhall Astra that was, uh, you know, up the front. And you got Grant Woodhatch in, uh, in his VW Vento as well. Tony Dolly still there and thereabouts. You know, it just literally, you guys, these names that that is just... It's what I said about the fact that it's this this soap opera, and that's what us as fans we absolutely adore all of this. And and you know, I know that people say when I'm up commentating, that's what I am. I'm the fan that's still addicted to everything that you guys <laughs> do. So I just love that. Uh, Chris Mason, good to see uh, Chris Mason here. Obviously from the medical crew. Stay safe, my friend, and thank you for everything you're doing uh, out there in this terrible situation at the moment. Miss the four wheel drives, very fast, but also slightly terrifying. I'd agree with that. <laughs> yeah, awesome. yeah. Um, it's a shame they got banned, you know, but um, because we're, we're pretty much doing the same lap times as uh, well, we were doing 12s back then, and that's when they banned the four-wheel drives. So we're, we're pretty much back at that territory now as when they got sure. banned originally. Um, mm. So, yeah, it's, you know, it, it was a shame that they went. Um, the the triple A saloons I remember with with Laurie Kilby and and um, and those kind of cars. I mean, back then the the races were just like you said, fast, absolutely mental, quick. But but it was always a lottery whether any of them actually finished was the sad thing as well, wasn't it? Again, this is what I was going about earlier, Chris. You know, the the reliability of them. They were so again highly strung, four wheel drive, a lot of stuff going through transmission, winding them up, winding them up all the time. And, yeah, more often than not, it did end up breaking. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, thanks, Chris Mason, by the way. You've reminded me. I was saying earlier, I couldn't remember what the barriers were in front of the tyres. Rector cell barriers, that's what they're called. Uh, Jake Oldham, one of the youngsters that's uh, that, <laughs> going into his second years in saloons. Easter Monday was his first ever race, and that all was a surprise. I can imagine you guys can relate to that. If that was your first ever race and you went up into yes. four, it must have been... <laughs> Really yeah, pretty terrifying, I should think. Yeah, yeah cool. <laughs> uh, yes, exactly. That'd be the uh, last thing you want in your first race. Freeze, I think, was my first one in the year. And, uh, oh, really? Yeah, and it's literally just like ice skating. You, you, because, of course, that car was on slicks as well. So um, it, it, suddenly you're going from absolutely mental grip to nothing. It, it is. It's just... You, it's just terrifying. Suddenly you've got nothing. You just go, where the hell? What, what's happening? You know, before you know it, you're across the other side of the circuit. It's a bit like uh, uh, Cole Trickle with Days of Thunder. I'm through. I'm through. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have done that in the hot hatch. God, yeah, that was scary. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tim Perry confirming that, yes, he was my, uh, flagging up at Quarry when that happened. Um, uh, oh, nice to see that as well. De- Deborah Humphrey. Thanks, Gary. Awesome car. Um, who who's the one with the most enthusiasm for racing from uh, Dave Baggy Malpass out of you two? Who do you reckon? I would say Gary because maybe doing it more. But I think we're both <laughs> we're both enthusiastic as each other. Really, it's hard to say on that. Um, but yeah, we both absolutely love it. It's, I can't. It's what we look forward to. We're looking forward all year to doing it, and uh, 
unfortunately, it's been stopped. But yeah, we'll I, get that's for both of us. I, I can't see it being much difference between us. I reckon it's the same. And I bet everybody who's watching this is probably going to have the same feeling as what I'm going to say now is that this is, a, is you know, good escapism, good to sort of put a smile on our face, but it's making me want to get back even more. Speaking yeah. to you guys, feeling this, I'm like going, I want to see it. I want to see it. Yeah. Uh, great question from Jed Doyle. Is there a third generation Preble to watch out for? Well, not for a while, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we're, we're... This is not meant as a family planning co- uh, question. It's more... Uh... <laughs> no, no, I've, I've, I've got a son. He's, he, he's, not, he's not as into the motorsport, unfortunately. Uh, my middle one, Jaden, actually, he's, he's, he, um, he's, getting in, he's getting into racing. He's just hopefully going to pass his test soon. And... Uh, He's showing interest in cars now, so he he could well be. Yeah, I mean he's he's young. He's he's just turned seventeen, so um, you hope he, not for your bank balance. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, would you would you encourage them? Would you try to convince them not to? I try to convince them not to all the time. I'm racing. <laughs> <laughs> Ignore the bank balance bit for a minute. It, you know, with everything you know about racing, would you be sort of you know encouraging them to, or would you be going let don't? Oh, no, don't get me wrong. I mean, when, you know, I'd, I'd want them to do it. Yeah, for sure. You know, um, there's, there's, I always remember when I bought them a go-kart and, and seeing them the first time out on a on a go-kart track racing around each other. Um, you know, it's brilliant. It's, it's really good to see that competitive streak. On, you, you, they want to be the quickest one, you know. Yeah, you can relate to what your dad uh, was actually enjoying, which is uh, is really cool. Uh, I don't know whether you're going to know an answer to this one, but Matt Coyle said, uh, what's been your favourite ever lap? Have you got a lap that you can, if you sat there now, you went, yep, I can remember that lap. It was perfect. The last one. Really? <laughs> when someone's behind you and you're just waiting for that checkered flag to go, that's my, that's my favourite one. <laughs> if you're leading, it's, it's, you, you want the, the race to finish as, as quick as possible. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I don't remember just an individual one myself. No, likewise. I mean, it's more, I think, in qualifying, you know, not, not so much the race. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. If you're the if you're the car that's behind and you're chasing the car in front, and and you know when you've done a quick lap and you can see that car in front of you suddenly come towards you, that that is a fantastic feeling. Yeah, you can't sort of say a particular favourite lap. Um, I don't know. If I had to put one on it, I guess my favourite lap is probably after you've just won a race. It's a slowing down lap. <laughs> yeah. Wave to all the everybody. You can see you know, clapping, and you know all the marshals are cheering you and waving. That that to me is probably my favourite lap. Yeah, that's true, definitely. A, a question I'm going to put to both of you then: When we're talking about the the perfect lap, and this is now coming from the person who talks about it rather than does it, um, is there a part on a Castle Coombe lap that? you don't get right every time. And if you suddenly hook up that one spot, you know the likelihood is you're going to have the, the, the perfect lap. Gary, start with you. Um, no, not really. I mean, Coombe is, is probably, if any of them, it's probably Quarry. Um, for me, anyway, you know, when, when you're coming over the rise, it's the time when you're flat out, the car's touching 150 mile an hour, and, and you're coming in and whacking the brakes literally just after the hump if you're on a hot lap 
and the car's trying to throw you one way and and um you know get getting the car slowed down quickly enough to tuck the car into quarry and, and get a good exit out of there is probably the pinnacle of the lap because the rest of it is kind of a lot easier towers probably the next tricky one but um old paddock as well i think a good run at old paddock, if you old get paddock yeah i mean i'm not yeah for me old paddock is not too bad as long as you can get a nice sweep mm. out of the s's and and tuck into old paddock um but yeah the the, the one really like the, the corner that sticks in my mind is is quarry for sure is is carrying enough pace in there but quickly slowing it down to to get the drive out for sure and Adam, I mean, you mentioned Old Paddock. Would you put that ahead of Quarry in your mind? I would say I would say Quarry, but then again, I would, then it would be Old Paddock and Tower for me. Um, I just know if I, if I a couple of times when I got my best ever lap, uh, fastest time ever was when I got my best turn in, in on Old Paddock, and that was a different line I ever kind of took. And I'm, the amount of times I've done it, I, I literally set it up right, and I'm still trying to hit that hit that corner right ever since. <laughs> Right, so it's not. I feel like I feel like I've never caught it as right as that one time I got the eleven eight. But was that as right as as I want? And was that stepping back? It was that the exit of of the S's that started that, presumably. No, it was it was it was the entry coming. It was getting a nice sweep into it, but the car just turned in lovely at the point of the next apex on old paddock, and it was just lovely. I mean, if you get it wrong, or Gary comes up the inside of one of them, (laughs) if you get it that that wrong. Or, or you can run out too far, but I'm normally quite good with it. But this, the one time I got that that 11.8 was my quickest time. I've, I've never felt like I've got it that right ever again since. And and that 11.8 that was presumably in qualifying, so hence not a lap. Yes, record. yeah, yeah, it was, yeah, just in qualifying. Yeah. Do you think you could get that in a race and get that as a lap record? Then I don't know. I don't think so. I don't know because every every time you do something good in qualifying, you try and do the same in a race, and you you, you always it's never the same. Especially when you got a Gary behind you as well. Yeah, there's a lot more pressure. There's a lot more pressure when you're, the temperature you're, you're, you're well. in your <laughs> day um, affects the turbos. They like that cold morning crisp air. Uh, yeah, yeah, of course. The turbo car generally will perform better um, earlier in the morning. If you've got a stonking hot day, they, they tend not to quite get the, the, the power out of them that they do when it's early morning qualifying. Ah, okay. Now that's interesting to see. Everybody's going to be keeping an eye on you through old paddock now, Adam, because I'm going to be loving. The <laughs> yeah, that. they're going to have perfect line in. They've been yeah. watching it wrong. They've never got it right since. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. <laughs> and it shows that difference. As much as they like. They might be two class A cars, but they're clearly very different. Good question from uh, Lee Gillette is, uh, do you prefer wet or dry races, Adam and Gary? I know some uh, drivers perform better in the wet. Uh, me personally, um, yeah, I mean, I've I've always liked racing in the rain. Um, I, I do I, I do seem to perform pretty well in the rain, um, and and uh, it's more scary because again, it's that unknown. Especially if you're at the front on pole, you're the leading car. You're the first one to go into that corner. You don't know where the grip is on the circuit. Um, especially if it's been dry in the morning and suddenly it lashes it down for the race. So um, that can be, it, it can be a bit of a bit of a sort of a adrenaline rush on the first few laps until you find your feet. And then the concentration just comes in of where the grip is, you know? So yeah, two very different races, but um, out of the two, 
probably just prefer the dry only because I don't have to wash the car off so much afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> I can understand that. Adam, I'd always imagine that yours is the dry because you're a big sort of like a big kahunas type driver where you want to be really going Definitely, flat yeah. out. Yeah, I enjoy just always trying to beat your fastest time, and I just enjoy going yeah. fast. I, I don't, I, I like the rain. Uh, don't get me wrong, but I prefer. Who doesn't like going as fast as you can go in a car? It's but but, but enjoyment. Like in the, in the Rover, we, we I think we nearly won the race um, in the GTs. I think on one of the races, I think it was in the last lap. But it was me and was it me and Tony or something? I can't yeah. remember. It was me and Tony Hutchins, Was it? Who was it? Well, what, I can't remember what it was. But we were, we were literally. On them, we overtook. The, I think we overtook the Evos and and things like that. And it was a brilliant, brilliant race. Um, but it's, it's about the grip. If you can get the grip and the car set up right, then it's brilliant. And again, like in the C ones, I prefer it when it was raining because they are they are absolutely brilliant. It's different when you've got like a five hundred brake car and you're trying. That, that's yeah. when the slower cars they come up through because you just set their wheel spinning, and and a car with less power can just come up past you and make you look like you're still still. Yeah, I know what you mean. And and uh, Nick did ask, and I th- we have answered this, but I'm just going to say thanks, Nick, for your question. What draws you to the 24-hour C1 races? We kind of covered that, that they're great cars to drive about, uh, momentum as well as everything else, time to yeah, think. The C1 about team, you know, there's there's four, I mean, in our particular one, there's four drivers in the team. Um, we've got Mike Harris, Chris Southcott, Adam and myself. So we've got a cracking little team, and it's it's about... Us all getting together, we have a bit of a laugh as well. We all go away and get the barbecues out, and you know we all have a good we have a good crack as well. Um, but it's about a team effort, you know. You get three, nearly three hours in the seat, and when you when you put that into a season of Coombe, that's almost a season of Castle Coombe in one stint of your race. Three for me, you know, and and we're taking two or three stints without that twenty four hour. So we, you know, you're looking at, at six to eight hours of driving in one race. So, you know, I think that's what attracts you to the 24-hour C1 races. And and like Adam says, you know, the the fact that the cars are pretty much all the same power. You're, you're three, four abreast into one corner. It's, it almost reminds you of when you're doing the sort of pro car endurance racing in a go kart. You make one mistake and four cars go by you. It's, it's that kind of... So it's still racing, highly competitive, just a hell of a lot slower. And that's where the enjoyment comes in because with, with the Castle Coombe saloons, like Adam said earlier, you know, everything is so quick. You make a slight error in one of those and, and you're in the wall. Where the C1, you tend to bounce off the wall and carry on, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, there wasn't many panels left on a lot of those cars. Although saying that, I'm going to pick this up because I know it's a conversation you and I had, Gary, is that because um, uh, where did you finish in the C124 hour? Um, I think we, was it fifth in the end? Yeah, I think two cars got disqualified, I think. But yeah, no, it was, it was ever... yeah. We were up there, you know, we were up there. And, and that was really the point. I knew it was up that end. And, and I know that the discussion was that there was a, um, it was the first year of doing it. And there was a slight demolition derby element where people were finding their feet. And I was like, well, how did you manage to steer, steer clear of that? Because your car didn't have an awful lot of damage to it from memory. And you said is that it's not just about the amateurs that were sort of making a mistake. Like if I suddenly went and got my racing license and took part in that, which a lot of people were doing that, and I go and make stupid mistakes like just immediately rejoining the circuit, 
it's, you said it's not just about those is that it's even the experienced ones is that you don't need to do everything straight away if you see a car there be prepared to step back a little bit and then go that's the thing with the endurance hours. yeah that's that's the thing it's you, you've got to change your whole mindset and, and realize that it's a race of 24 hours and not you know i mean i i normally get volunteers for some reason to always do the start of these races and um and again, you know, being around so many cars at the beginning of the race, it's just all about staying out of trouble. It's, it's absolutely mental. Um, and like you said, don't, don't go for silly moves. Just be patient. You, you can follow a car around for literally an hour. Um, you, and, and you're at, but it's such great racing on the back of it, you know. You, you, and when you get by them after, it takes you an hour to get past one person. It's got a buzz in the end, you know. Yeah. But, um, no, they, they are. They're, they're just they're just funny little cars. But it's for me, really, it's the whole team effort. You know, that's that's what makes it. I know it's certainly something I'm hoping to maybe get involved with. So we'll see. Yeah. Um, a great question from Ian Jones. Uh, <laughs> uh, question from Nick Mizzen on here uh, from him for Adam. <laughs> Who has been his biggest influence? For me. <laughs> Nick. Nick. It's, definitely been, Nick. it's yeah. definitely been Nick, for sure. For sure. <laughs> um, let's have a look. Uh, apologies, guys. I know that you've all been putting it in. And thank you very, very much for, for bringing these, uh, these questions in. We've got shout out to Somerset Car Club. Thanks uh, for that, Brad Carr. Um, greetings from Greece, from uh, Lonis Lissaios. I don't know if either of you guys know that person, but great. To, thank you for joining in there. Uh, and I apologize that I probably butchered your name there. Um, <laughs> uh, there we go. We mentioned about uh, your photographer, James Lutner. I get an awful lot of enjoyment for talking and processing photos of the Preble brothers racing at Coombe. My question is, what do you do after the race to fill the voids between each event? Oh, for me, it's working on the car. Um, so, so, something Adam doesn't know about. But um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, I get just as much enjoyment, to be honest, working on the car and getting it ready for the following round. Um, and there's always something to be getting done, you know. There's something always happens, checking the car over. Um, I'm normally always you – know, you find – just by working on the car, which which Adam touched on earlier, I think you know if he spends a bit more time on the car uh, in between races and stuff, it's something that it will later on in his life it will benefit him because having some mechanical knowledge about working on the car, you get to understand when something's going wrong, and you you can actually feel what's going wrong with the car, and you can actually almost drive your way around it sometimes. Like my last race of the season, um, I, I detected that the dry shaft was actually going and I could feel the dry shaft was going and I had to slow up considerably just to even finish the race, which won me the Class A Championship. Whereas Adam probably would have just kept driving until it snapped and, and it had a DNF and pulled over. So like those kind of things could win or lose your championship. So, you know, working on the car in between races – for me, is is something that I've always sort of done, and and I'm even myself. I'm learning, I'm learning every year. I'm learning more about the car, learning more about mechanical stuff. I mean, I've recently just taken apart 
the gearbox and started learning about the gearbox side of things because I reckon, as I touched on earlier, the transmission's going to be um, key for this year. So I thought, right, I better start learning on how to rebuild these things a bit quick. Mm-hmm. And just little things like that, you know, you, you, setting up the car, doing the tracking, doing the suspension, the corner weights. It's, it's all those kind of things that you you set it up, you go out, you try it. Is it better? Is it worse? And you, you get your own feedback off it. But it, if someone's doing that and then you can't relate to what you've done, it's very hard to understand that. And I think that's what Adam's saying earlier. I think that's that's the little bit of difference um, that he would certainly benefit if, if he sort of got a bit more involved in it. I feel nervous now, Adam, because you've just been lectured, but it's a valid point, I guess. And I know, <laughs> I know, I know Chris Haynes rather well now of Haynes, uh, uh, Haynes Manuals. Obviously, his dad created that if you want a manual. But uh, <laughs> it's a valid point. I, we can't... Let's, 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 I, uh, I see. did the clever thing. I know if I touch it, it would break even more. So I'd go <laughs> over it. True. As a way of like, do I change something or don't broke something, but don't try and fix them. It's not broke. And it's just like, just... Well, we, got, we got that time in qualifying. And that was good enough. We're just trying to yeah. use that. So. <laughs> but what what do you do in between the races then to fill the void? <laughs> Mine's just mostly working and family, and that's about it, really. Nothing. So you basically just awesome. end up looking forward to it. Yeah, so that's what we that's what I look forward to most of the year. So yeah, definitely. Right. I'm conscious that this is, I mean, this could go on forever and ever, as I'm sure everyone's listening is thinking, but I'm conscious that some people are kind of drifting away because we've been going for over an hour and a half now. So I'm going to try and whip through some questions. Apologies, we haven't got to everybody. Uh, Tim Perry making the joke, donor Rob, because Rob is <laughs> 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 donoring cars there to you. Um, uh, which car, uh, Gary, Daniel Williams has asked, which car are you going to run in the hot hatch uh, this year? Uh, again, I was attending to do um, a few races with the little Honda Civic that I purchased last year. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, we, we sold the 205. Um, so that, that now longer is, is no weather. A guy called Bill Oakley, um, again, who's entered in the hot hatch. He, he's going to be racing that this year, which is my old 205. Um, but I was going to do, yeah, bring a few um, bring a few uh, races with the, with the Honda. I've just, just had the engine rebuilt by uh, Frank Anderson. At Anderson Race Engines, and um, we're, we're hoping to be again at the sharp end with the hot hatches, and, and we're planning on doing the odd round. Fantastic! Uh, and the, the other part of that question, Adam, that you can't see is that he's also said, uh, "Is it something that you've thought running about running in the hot hatch?" I I did do with the two hundred five, but every time I seem to race it, I think it's a blow up on me. So I've just, got, it's, just sat, <laughs> it's just sat in the shed now. So I'm going to just. Had the engine redone. Um, yeah, if anyone wants it. Yeah, it's up for sales. <laughs> uh, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, and uh, Tony Cooper's actually said, we don't need these two in Hot Hatch. It's hard enough as it is. <laughs> that's a good compliment. And Tony Cooper is a winner in that as well. So that's nice to say. Uh, Rory Miller saying he'll never forget the uh, Adam versus Hutchin battles. And I agree with that as well. Hence, Tim Parry says, here, here, can't wait as well. Um, not sure what that means. Celeste Wid says, never say never. I'm not sure. Yeah, that's what you touched earlier on the uh, future preble. Uh, uh, oh, 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 right. Is that news to you as well, Adam? 
She's to the side of you, but she never told you that. Yeah, literally, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, Chris Hignor as well, one of our uh, stalwarts of the uh, Saloon Car Championships and a real uh, advocate of Casa Can I say what an awesome site it is following these guys after being overtaken? Their commitment and speed is something to behold, a pleasure to be in the same race. I agree, Chris, from watching the advantage. It is amazing. Oh, good question. Jason King has said, hi, guys. If you both could race any car, what would it be? Adam, start with you. Oh, my gosh. I would, I would always like, I would always like to do the British touring cars. I just think that's be absolutely amazing. This, I just think they're brilliant. I, I love the British touring cars. To drive one of those, I think it would be unbelievable. Gary? Yeah, likewise. Um, I, you know, it's, it's something, to, again, I've always fancied having a go at. Um, the other car that's always interested me that I've, I've tested one at Maori years ago, but never actually sort of done any competitive testing in is was was a radical. Um, again, it's 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 one of the cars that I've always sort of fancied having a, a go in, and uh, and uh, Josh Josh Smith um, he, he keeps trying to talk me into one every now and again, and uh, but yeah, no, I, I don't know. Um, but, yeah, Have you never been in one? I, when they very first come out, when Mick Hyde um, and that were originally developing the, the original Radical, I went to Mallory and test drove one. And um, they're, they're quite an easy car to drive, but uh, fantastic handling. And um, but again, you know, they, there's so little that you can race for them now. That's the only thing that puts me off. It's, it's the OSS. It doesn't seem to be a lot else for them. Well, not even the OSS now anymore, is it? That stopped sadly. But um, yes, yeah. it's the, the radical-based championships. But I mean, the the radical is something that I've one of the few things uh, that I've had a privilege of of driving. I took one round um, the full Silverstone GP circuit. Awesome car, unbelievable. I mean, it is, and it, you, you, we've been talking about the different cars that you guys have driven. It's the complete opposite to those because you've kind of got to throw out your instinct, haven't you? You've got to take more speed through the corner. Yeah, to get the benefit of the downforce. Yeah, that's it. You've got to use the arrow and uh, rely on it. Rely on the arrow that's going to actually hold you in. Yeah, which I found very nervous because I'm not a racer. So uh, you know, you talk about twitchy bum time. I had a lot of that. Um, <laughs> Is it going to mention Simon Tillin go around Coombe? Absolutely, as well. that was phenomenal, wasn't it? <laughs> I keep I keep getting the suspicion he might be thinking about coming back. When you look at his uh, Facebook post, that would be. Good. I see, I've seen a few things. Back. Yeah. We all want you back, Simon. We want you back. We yeah, want you back. Definitely. Um, Emma Mason, uh, the other side of the Masons, as we can see the photo there, Chris and uh, and Emma and their little and there, the, the awesome work they're doing on the medical side. Uh, Gary, did you ever race the old layout? And if so, which did you prefer? I did, Chris. Yeah, I um, raced it in the... Um, it was about two and a half seconds a lap quicker than its current format. Um and I don't know if many of you know the old layout, but um, basically the S's wasn't there. Um, yeah, all bobbies. All bobbies, no, no. So coming out of quarry, heading down towards old paddock was absolute, you're talking about twitchy bum moments. That that was certainly in the imp. It was, uh, if you're on a quick day and, and you could literally just grit your, grit your bum cheeks together and take it flat, you knew you were on a big a good lap. It was mega, mega quick. Um, but extremely, you know, I think that's why they, they put the chicanes in in the end, you know. It, it was yeah. 
it was dangerous. Um, if you were going to have an off there, it was going to be a biggie for sure. Out of preference, um, I think I probably prefer in its latter format um, simply because they're more overtaking opportunities where you've got sure. the breaking zone for the S's. That is one where you can sling it up the inside and, and uh, you, you can actually have more overtaking opportunities than you could on the old circuit. Love it. And Adam, that was before your time, wasn't it, Adam? Yeah, way before me, yeah. <laughs> Don't rub it in that much. Crikey. Um, right. um, a nice comment here by the looks of it as well. Uh, Rob Atwood said, we've enjoyed watching Gary and Adam for years. Adam made my son's day one race when he broke down at the S's uh, and asked my son to borrow his phone. <laughs> if he, if he, couldn't stop, uh, he couldn't stop talking about it, apparently. Now my son... Races in the Castlecombe Formula One Championship many years later. Well, that's brilliant. That is crazy. <laughs> and, and I've told you. Yeah, probably <laughs> right. But I've told you guys, and I tell all the drivers this time and time again from my experience about being uh, first and foremost, I'm a fan. I'm, you know, in my head, I'm still on the spectator banks. Even though I get to be up in the commentary box, I'm still talking as though I'm on the spectator banks. And I keep telling you guys is that honestly, don't underestimate you know, how important this is to, you know, it's like an ecosystem between, you know, on the, on the, uh, on the banks, the orange army, the drivers, and it's just this fabulous ecosystem that we all exist as a, as a family, which is why we're doing what we do in here with this show, whilst we're all suffering of not being able to go racing and, and the more serious issues around this uh, pandemic is that we're a family and we can't wait to be back again at the circuit. And so thank you, Rob. That's a lovely comment. I, I uh, do remember that as well. So thank you. Thank you. <laughs> good. good. Uh, Keith Scott said, long live the imp. So that's nice. Uh, and also Daniel Williams has said, James Blake has a radical for sale, by the way. So don't forget <laughs> that, Gary. <laughs> see that white one, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think you answered this earlier. Tom Hartnell said, is the Rover Tomcat still alive? Yeah. The blue the blue one is, yeah. That's, that's in the shed, yeah. But the white one's not? The white one, no. Unfortunately, no. It's got the car heaven, that one. Oh, has it? Oh, okay. So we didn't know that. Good <laughs> question, Tom. We didn't know that one as well. Uh, and actually, that was Lloyd Hartnell, he then says this. That might have been Lloyd asking that. Um, final question that we've got here. So thank you for all your involvement, guys. Which livery of the Rover was your favourite? The original, I think, yeah. for sure. Definitely, yeah. I love the original. And that's the livery that we followed on with the Imp. Um, if you, that's where the whole livery of the Imp came from, was the Rover. Right, okay. That makes sense, actually. Now I, now I see that in my head. That makes complete sense. They sat beside each other, and they absolutely looked phenomenal. It was really good. No, absolutely love that. Right, well, um, Gary, you've kind of... Uh, you, you've got patience with the championships because you've got your... Uh, what do we say? It was the Saloon Championship in 2002 with the Rover Tomcat. Then you waited 10 years and two came along in, in within a couple of years, 2012, 2014. You've been up there chipping away with the Class A wins and in the top three overall. Do you feel that you can do it this year? Uh, let, do you feel you can win another Saloon Car Championship? Um, well, I don't think it's going to be a championship this year, the way it's going, uh, unfortunately. Whenever it is. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I've, uh, Chris. At the end of the day, I'm, I'm, you know, as I said, I said to you before, you know, I've got no plans on stopping yet. So, um, I'm, I'm going to try my damned hardest. And, and like right. I said, reliability is the key thing, you know. As well as picking up the wins, it's nine out of ten times um, 
as we all know, the wins aren't everything because you, you can win and then, and then have a massive blow up in a, in a double header and then suddenly you're out of the championship. So to, to win one outright is extremely hard. But yeah, we'll we just keep trying. We'll just keep chipping away. And um, and I saw Adam with do his damnedest to keep trying to stop me. And uh, <laughs> But yeah, that's going to make it entertaining for sure. But um, I just noticed a comment someone said about the Orange Army there. Um, I want to just say, you know, Obviously, massive thanks to all the marshals because without those guys, we wouldn't uh, we wouldn't be doing what we're doing either. So uh, yeah, yeah thanks no, definitely same here. Thanks and St John's ambulance and as well. Everyone's there and and you, Chris, Thank as well, you, and everyone, everyone really, and the whole circuit because it's a lot of it's done for love. It is, it is, and uh, yeah, the Orange Army without question, and they're, they're a key part of the uh, of the ecosystem that makes up this Castle Coon family. Um, then, uh, Adam, final question then is that you're gunning for him, you're gunning for a championship. Do you think you can do it whenever whenever we get going? I don't, I don't think so. I, I think the Class A. <laughs> I just think Class A is, is so like 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 Gary Kite. I just think it's such a hard championship to win it overall. Class, does that mean you're going for Class A? Yes. Pardon? Sorry, sorry, mate. Um, I was going to say, does that mean that the big target it, with with what you guys are racing is that there's this big kudos about gunning for the Class A title? Then. Yes. Yeah, I would say I would. I would absolutely love it, and I hope to say if we had a good run, and I think I think it's capable. Um, I think it can be done, but I think it's going to, it's going to be very, very hard, very hard. We all know what Gary can race, and and and, and everyone, most of Class A. You, you think someone's not going to be in it now, and that car who was not nowhere near last year could could be there, and it's going to, it could shock everyone. And the first race of the year, and then you're thinking, oh no, we've got even more, more got more work to work to do. So it, it could all change as quick as that. So yeah. Yeah, Gary's pretending about being worried about things on the car, isn't he? <laughs> I'll work on the car for him, Chris. Don't worry. That's what I said with Dan. I said, don't keep him... Listen, work, guys... He knows what to do. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, guys, it's been an absolute pleasure and it's so good to see that um, I told you that you would be fine, you'd relax into this and it's been just such a wonderful chat that could have gone on for, for longer and longer. There's so much we can chat about. So many people have watched this tonight and I hope you, you feel proud about the fact that they have because you should do. Thank you, everybody who's who's participated with comments and questions. Thank the you. King of Coombe and the uh, Prince of Coombe They've, uh, <laughs> they, he's gunning for you, Gary. I can tell. I can tell. No, I know. <laughs> thank you so much for joining us, guys. No, thank you, thank you Chris. And thanks, everyone. Thank thanks you. Everyone. Yeah, thank See you. See you later. Take it safe, guys. Keep yourself safe, and we'll hope to see you at the circuit very soon. Thanks, safe, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. See you. Bye. Thanks Bye. to both of the prebles, and I'm going to pop, pop them off and so thank you for those because I'm going to bring in just quickly to wrap this all up and thank you everybody for your involvement is uh, uh it's, it's been getting quietly sozzled let's take the mute off now I had you muted in the green room but uh, uh that I mean why why you could have just gone on and on and on and I know you were going Chris shut up but it was like there was too much to talk Chris, about wasn't would I ever say that um I paraphrased brilliant <laughs> I tell you what, those guys. I, I think legends, aren't they? They're going to be in the history books. 
um, of Coombe. Obviously, it's our 70th anniversary this year. Um, but I think yeah, they've got a lot, lot, lot more in them. And who knows, by the sounds of things, someone's got uh, eyes on making a mini, another mini Preble. So, uh, yeah, we'll Wonderful. see. I'm good. I'm thanks, Tim. I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm a couple of bottles into some rosé this evening. <laughs> <laughs> it's been one of those weekends. Things get into us all now, but um, no, absolutely brilliant question. Thank you for that. I, I, I dipped out tonight. Um, it was nothing personal. It's just I think you know four people on there um, probably would have been too much. And uh, yeah, no, absolutely brilliant question. You've done us sterling as, as always. But the other reason I just want to say absolutely um, hairs on the neck standing up earlier over the Sterling Moss uh, tribute. So Chris. Um, yeah, doff my cap to you on that one. I think a lot of other people, um, and we will be doing something. I, I, undoubtedly, we, we always uh, always tip our cap to to Sterling Moss. I mean, he's a huge part of the circuit. Uh, and when I told the family uh, members early, you know, people were um, were very saddened by it. And you know, there's lots of stories there. But uh, no, well done on that, Chris. Thank you. And I think a lot of other people would, will join me on that as well. I was quite relieved that I got through it. I must be honest. I, I sort of put that piece together uh, earlier in the day while sat in the garden and uh, read it out to my to my wife. and And I was mm. I was cracking when I was doing it and thinking, how am I going to get through this? Which was half the reason why I didn't even appear on camera while I was reading it because yeah. I, no, 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 not at all. He's a hero. He's a hero yeah. to so many of us, isn't he? Yeah, with, with, without a doubt, without a doubt. But I think, in fairness, this is lining up nicely. Um, we may have somebody else of quite some esteem, but more modern esteem coming on. Not, not in, in fairness, not to quite Sir Sterling Moss, but um, someone who's going to be extremely interesting uh, that I've been researching a bit more. Uh, looking back at the old TSL reports, would you believe, Chris, um, coming on a Wednesday? Uh, no, I wouldn't believe that you were looking at TSL, but if you tell me you were, I'll, uh, I'll have to go with it. Send the link. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, 2004. 2004, 2004. yeah, yeah, F3. Which, of course, was the penultimate year that we had Formula 3 at the circuit, wasn't it? Yeah, and um, I was looking at some of the other names. Uh, Piquet, is it, um, was on there as well. Piquet. <laughs> is that the rosé talking? Piquet. <laughs> he piqued your interest, but, yeah, I've got you. Well, yeah, he, he uh, this particular driver is uh, someone who I have um, had the pleasure of, of, of doing something on stage with. He was uh, a wonder, one, wonderful guy. He was... He did race at Castle Coombe. He still appears at Castle Coombe for a TV programme, a driving programme. Mm. Uh, let's just say not Top Gear. Uh, a little bit lower than that, um, as in the not sixth not, gear. I hope he's not watching this. It's not sixth gear, it's the other one, fifth gear. Um, he was the he first driver. Tiffany from... Dell, before anyone says. No, it's not him, no. It, not yet, anyway. But um, it, uh, <laughs> he was the first driver in Formula One from his country. He also Ooh. raced in Formula E. Is anybody going to anybody going to have a guess at all? Oh, by the way, I've just noticed that Tony Hudgens was uh, was watching that. I'm so glad you watched it, Tony. We might, I think, we might have to try and get you on here at some point as yeah, well. Yeah, right. Thanks. Because we were talking about Tony a lot there, and he's a multiple champion uh, as well. Uh, and of course, he'll know that he, he'll have fond memories of the championships. But sorry, our guest. I keep getting distracted. Sorry. Um, Yes, uh, he's now the other, he's my side, or should I say I'm his side, because he's achieving amazing <laughs> things on the microphone. Did you just compare yourself in a commentary way to this gentleman? 
Only because I think I was mic side before him. I oh, okay. oh, I see. Okay, sorry, Chris. I didn't know if you're like esteemed level. I was thinking. No, no. <laughs> He's doing. Uh, if I could have half of his success, I'd right. be delighted. Yeah. It was on uh, uh, Channel 4, Formula 1, and he's now with Sky Sports Formula 1. And I'm loving the fact that Chris Hignall has managed to get this correct already. Uh. I'm going to quickly uh, share a, uh, a photo as well so that we've now got uh, this up there. Let me put this up to uh. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm really, really looking forward to this. I've interviewed him once before already. It is. It's Karen Chandok is joining us on, on Wednesday. And he has agreed to do this um, at, at no fee. And, and, and this is not usual for, for no. you know, this is what these guys do. And he is doing it to support Castle Coombe Circuit. And, and I can't thank him enough for yeah, doing it. Brilliant. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I asked cheekily to see if I could have him worked with him, you know, my mate Karen and all of that. <laughs> <laughs> and Karen Chandler, and I tell you what, having interviewed him, he's got so many incredible stories. I think I'm going to have to chat beforehand which ones he's going to be allowed to share with us. It's, yeah. different. it's different when you're at awards with a closed room to be yeah, on, but on the internet. Show. Yeah, I know. <laughs> no, no, a little bit like when I interviewed you, Chris, to be honest, lots of stories. Uh, the current Mrs. Dawes got in contact and said that, you know, it has to be a lot. <laughs> well, Chris, um, absolutely no I think thank you very much some beautiful comments uh, hopefully people have enjoyed it a happy Easter to everybody um, you know tough times for us all and I think yeah like someone said you know this is hopefully breaking breaking up a little bit we've got some great um, content coming up over the next well probably to be honest we've probably got enough content now for the next few months actually Chris haven't we well, certainly in terms of the list of names we've got certainly planned we've got scheduled probably the the next two weeks, I think, are actually, you know, the people are in, but we've got we've got names and there's still more. And I promise yeah. you guys, if any of you are back there going, oh, why can't I get on? It will happen at some point, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. Please, please bear with us. There's only so much we can do. Uh, and we're trying to mix it up. We're going to be getting some sponsors of the, the, the circuit, the championships involved. We're trying to get external yeah. guests as well as local guests. As I say, we've got the we've had the King of Coombe and his brother today. Sorry, Adam, yeah. but, you know, I've got to say it that way. Um, <laughs> we've got the Queen of Coombe coming up a week on Wednesday uh, and Brian as well, who thankfully is well enough to, to be able to join us. I can't wait for that. Um, and we've got so many others that, that there's no question yeah. we can get involved. And it, well, no, no, no. And without a doubt, Chris, without, and we have, and literally it covers, I think, everything that we do at Coombe. I mean, I know there's questions about some of the action days and there's people who want to be involved with that. There's the Bikes. marshals. There's so the bikes, yeah, you're yeah. right, the, the bikes. Rallying. Uh, rallying, yeah, I'd say. And we've got some great, and there's some journos that we that we know and deal with that want to get on. And I, to be honest, you know, like I said, there are lots and lots of people. And I think whilst we're still in this lockdown sort of period, um, apart from, you know, you, 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 you drinking the world's supply of gin and me drinking the world's supply of... Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's it. Now that's all that's left in the country. Yeah, that's it. So, but yeah, anyway, look, we could, um, we could carry on all night. Let's let people get, uh, get the rest of their uh, Sunday and um, hopefully... Drink as much as us, and um, we'll um, we'll speak to them on Wednesday. And like I said, huge, huge star on Wednesday. Really pleased, Chris. Have to thank you. Uh, stay safe, everyone. Um, do your bit, and hopefully that means we'll get out back racing as soon as we can. Stay safe, everybody. Much love. All the best. Goodbye. Thank you.